This is Beer the Shaman, and welcome to the Stream Coach Podcast, the show that helps you step up your game as a professional streamer. And now, here's your host. She once judged a cosplay contest at ESL New York, Ashney Christ. Take it away, girl. Hello, streamers. Welcome back to the Stream Coach Podcast, where I teach you to pursue your dreams and learn to stream, but in podcast form, not really YouTube form. So that's really cool. I'm actually coming to you from my parents' house. I'm visiting family right now, and I'm really happy to go out and hang out with my friends. We're going to go to lunch and just be around my family. And I think that's really cool about content creation is that we're kind of able to do it on our own terms. And so it doesn't necessarily have to interrupt your life, but it can still be your job, right? Like your life and your job are kind of intermixed and there's a lot of freedom that comes with that. And one thing that allows us to have that freedom is our topic today, which is sponsorships. Okay, sponsorships are a really exciting topic for a lot of people. It's something a lot of people, especially you guys, are working towards. But there are a lot of misconceptions that kind of surround sponsorships. So today we're going to be talking to Tom, who is the partner manager at Elgato, who I was actually recently uh, affiliate relationship eyes that doesn't make any sense who <laughs> I recently entered into an affiliate relationship with and we'll talk about the difference between what a sponsorship is and what a product affiliate relationship is as well as just like general information how to reach out to sponsors how to find your value how to be confident in that value how to have a good relationship with sponsors and be someone that they actually enjoy helping and growing with. So this is going to be really interesting. I know that a lot of people, this is kind of the thing that they're building towards, right? Is they want to work with companies. They want to create content. They want to get product to give away to their communities because obviously that's going to help us grow, right? A lot of growth has to do with fulfilling that question that people have whenever they come into your channel or into your content, which is, okay, what's in this for me? Okay. And a lot of a lot of times that can be what they're getting physically. Most of the time that's what they're getting, you know, emotionally, but physically is definitely a part of it. Products are definitely a part of it. So Tom, also known as Mexum, is going to teach us all about that relationship and how we can be creating better content and working with sponsors and just creating a more successful kind of symbiotic environment for everyone in the gaming community. I'll go ahead and let him take it away and I'll see you guys after the interview. Welcome back to the Stream Coach Podcast. I am here with the partner and events manager of Elgato Gaming. And so what we're going to do in this episode is just teach you guys a little bit more about reaching out to sponsors and how to craft good contact emails, how to have a relationship with that person. And hopefully by the end of it, you will walk away feeling a little less intimidated and a lot more knowledgeable about how to reach out to sponsors for your streams. So today with me, I have Tom. He goes by MEX3M under score on Twitter. How's it going, Tom? Hey, it's really good. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to it. I hope it's yeah. uh, ed- uh, educating for people. 
Yeah, I've, I have a feeling it's going to be very helpful for sure. So go ahead and walk me through like a normal day at Elgato and tell me a little bit about the partner manager team and how many people you guys are each working with and kind of how that back end logistical stuff works. Okay. Um, so at Elgato itself, a lot of people don't realize, but it's actually a really small team. Um, just for the partner managers ourselves, there's me, and I normally look after English-speaking Europeans. And then we have a person in charge of German-speaking partners, French-speaking partners, and then another guy for Spanish and Italian. And then there's one last person who's mainly in charge of North America and um, Australia and New Zealand. So in total, that's five people for the partnerships. And then on the marketing side, we have three different people in marketing, a product marketer, senior marketing and technical marketing. And then we have our overall general manager. So in total, that's like nine people, I think, in the whole marketing team, which is pretty small and, and it's spread over two different offices. Uh, our headquarters are in Munich. We have a small office in San Francisco. Wow, that's actually a lot smaller than I was expecting. Yeah. Um, the entire company is probably about 70 or 80 people in total. and um, But that's also split between a lot of the smart home Apple devices that we do. That's not only the gaming side of things. So half that again um, for the different developers and stuff. And then that's what we're working with. Wow, and Elgato is a pretty popular brand within the industry too. So about how many emails are all of you guys getting every day? I have no idea. A lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot. I'm sure um, those inboxes are like unmanageable. Uh, yeah, you use a lot of filters and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's, it is quite a lot, but it's, it's good. I mean, if we didn't have that many, then we wouldn't be doing something right, you know? So... Yeah, it's definitely not something to complain about. For sure. It's definitely a um, good problem yeah. to have. <laughs> yeah. And as for like a kind of normal day, I guess I spend a lot of time just talking to people, which is kind of weird because usually I'm a bit of an introvert, um, but I spend most of my time like talking to people on Twitter or Skype, Discord, email, kind of wherever they're comfortable um, writing. Um, that's with both potential partners, existing partners, um, people that I'm just, that we're not officially partnered with at all, that I've just made friends with or built connections with over the past couple of years. Um, that takes up a lot of time, but it's obviously completely worth it. Um, same as a lot of other usual jobs, I guess, keeping up to date with like office and internal messages on our Slack what's going on, what new developments are, etc. cetera. Um, I'll probably get lunch with some colleagues or watch some YouTube videos or Twitch streams at my desk. And then when I'm not working with partnerships specifically, the other part of my role is events. So at the minute, I'm also working on the, the Gamescom booth design that we have, which is in August, as well as our presence at PAX East. If you're not gonna be there, then you can come and say hi. And a few of the other events, um, a few other marketing things, working on something with Sea of Thieves at the minute, which might be uh, quite interesting. Yeah. And um, I mean, I think the 
the main thing I try and do is make sure that I'm like always available for people. So I usually finish in the office around like seven, sometimes eight p.m. in the evening, and then I'll go home. And then because of like time zones or people work like streaming and working weird hours, like I'll often be on Twitter in the evening with some messages as well, just if people are waking up or they just finished streaming or whatever. So it's it's pretty long, but it's um, it's definitely very cool, and I wouldn't change it. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool that you're in a position that makes you happy, even though you're having to <laughs> kind of keep some weird hours for people. So I think that's great for you. Like as a person, everybody should kind of aspire to be in a position like that. Let's talk about how creators kind of reach out to you. So what are some common errors that you see? Um, so they reach out to me initially kind of wherever they, they want to. And if that's kind of just general, like reaching out, finding out about things that can really be anywhere. Um, a lot of people tend to use Twitter, which is completely fine. Um, but then as soon as it starts to get into more kind of serious discussions, then I usually try and take it to email just so you've got like a better history. You can easily share attachments and stuff. Twitter's fine for like text, but for anything longer or if you want to use proper formatting or whatever, then it really should be in email. And I guess the things that you should really look for are things like making sure you actually spell the name of the the person or the company correctly, which happens like all the time that people spell it wrong. I'm not sure how. Um, and I mean, that's like an instant turn off, right? If, you don't even mm -hmm. spell the name of the person or the company correctly, then it's like, well, okay, do you really care? Do you actually know who we are or whatever? And then what would be another point? If you use generic emails, like if you can obviously tell it's been like copy and pasted, um, I mean, that's not going to work either. When you get so many emails a day, you can instantly tell when it's just been copied or whatever. Um, yeah, like I said, prop, like use proper formatting. The presentation is important. If you get something and it's like just a huge block of text with no spacings and poor grammar and like it's not structured at all, then it's really difficult to read and like you can't really be bothered to try and decide for what people are trying to say. So, um, so I have a be... I have a question about that real quick. Mm -hmm. Not to interrupt you. I, I definitely want you to like finish this answer in a second, yeah. but. A lot of people say that like shorter emails are generally better, but I feel like as a creator, whenever I reach out to a company for the first time, having a really short email doesn't do my content justice, right? So I'm not really able to fully explain like what I'm doing, why I'm valuable, what my numbers are and everything else. So kind of what, um, what length of email do you think people should shoot for? Um... I mean, it's okay if it's longer, but you should just make sure that it's all relevant. If it's just kind of padded with a lot of fluff and not a lot of content, then it gets a bit annoying. If you keep it shorter and straight to the point, that's also fine. But if you want to spend time um, explaining yourself and giving examples or showing images of what you have done or stats that you have or whatever, then that's also totally fine. It should just make sure that it's relevant, that it's specific for the company or the person that you're speaking to and that yeah that is just to the point I okay it's the, the main thing 
So nothing like today for lunch I had a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Okay, you can continue with uh, that first list. And I think just the last thing is um, when people reach out, they shouldn't. You shouldn't assume that we owe you anything. I get it quite a lot where people think that they reached X amount of subs on YouTube or X amount of followers on Twitch. And then they are then entitled for a sponsorship because other people also got it. And I think that that's definitely the wrong attitude to have. Um, and it just doesn't work like that. And if you come off it with that kind of like approach at the beginning, then it kind of sets the wrong tone for a conversation going forwards. Okay. That's actually a really great kind of uh, piece of advice too, is the tone that you use in your, your email is so important. Like, how do you feel getting an email from somebody who is very timid in their wording versus somebody who seems to be a bit more confident but isn't necessarily being entitled? So somebody that is confident in their value, confident in their content, um, and you know that you guys could do something great together versus someone who is like, uh, I really like your products and I'm just putting out feelers for maybe potentially seeing who might maybe someday be interested. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely a, a valid question. I think it kind of goes hand in hand with what else you include in the email. Like if you mm-hmm. provide some of the other videos that you do, then maybe I can get a better idea of who you are. So it doesn't rely solely on what you say. It's also part of like your larger online image. Um, I was going to cover it later on, but it's also part of like if we are starting to talk and things are getting serious, then I will start looking at things like your Twitter or your YouTube or your Instagram or joining your Discord to get a feel of what you, of like who you are and the kind of community that you've built. So although like the the first impression of how you kind of set the tone is very important, it's not, you don't need to worry that like if you think you messed up or you weren't confident enough, then it's not like the end of the road. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay, so mm-hmm. we know a little bit about what not to do. Let's talk about what we should do. When should creators start reaching out to partner with companies like Elgato? There are different numbers for everybody. And a lot of people think that if their stream is smaller or maybe they don't have a ton of subs, like they, cre- they create all these arbitrary boundaries for themselves. Mm-hmm. So when should people actually start reaching out? I think you should start The main point is that you reach out after you have something to show. I got a lot of emails from different people saying things like, I'm an up and coming creator. Can you provide this so I can start my stream or let me start my channel because I know it'll be really good. And it it just doesn't work like that. Um, You have to show that you're actually passionate and that you want to do something. And if this is something that you're really serious about, then you'll find like a way to work and get the equipment to begin with, you shouldn't rely on the companies to give you everything up front and then hope that you kind of make something out of it. So yeah, you should definitely at least, like first of all, start creating content and like a lot of it, not just like after one week or something, right? That you've actually built up a community, a decent fan base or viewer base or whatever you want to call it, that you've maybe done some interesting projects that are, in, that are good to share. So, but it's, but like you said, it's not just about numbers. It can also be things 
um, like, are you the leader of a successful stream team or a organization? Um, are you a big creator of a specific game that is maybe not so popular? Because um, it's important to take in things like the demographics or the language. You, um, you can't compare someone that, for example, makes videos in Dutch to someone that makes videos in English because you simply will never get the same amount of people watching it. So it's important that you understand the area that you're in, the content that you make, and that you compare it against the right people. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to size, you mentioned size isn't always a huge determining factor. I know a lot of people kind of feel that their streams are smaller, they uh, don't have a super established community, but some people have extremely powerful streams and powerful loyal communities, even though they have smaller numbers. Yes. So can you kind of teach us about what goes into um, determining if someone would be a good fit for the Elgato Partner Program mm -hmm. if they have smaller numbers? Yeah. Um... So I briefly mentioned, but it's things like comparing yourself to channels that are actually relevant to you. Um, if you are streaming The Sims, you're not going to get the same viewer numbers as someone that streams um, Fortnite, for example. Mm -hmm. The viewer base is just not there, so you should understand the audience that you are a part of, the communities that you're a part of, and you should um, also know like what your main selling points are by understanding the content that you make. So that's things like the language that you create your content in, the platform that it's on, um, the game that you're playing or even if it's more creative or educational or whatever, um, as well as yeah, things like audience and demographics. Do you have, um, for some reason, a really large female demographic, which a lot of streamers don't have because it's largely male viewers or male streamers? So if you have a lot of females, then that's also very interesting for a company and it's not something that you should overlook. Um, if you look at your numbers, perhaps you're one of the largest um, streamers of X game in Great Britain. And that's also something you can tell people that you can share and be proud of. Um, it's just about doing a little bit of research in your content, finding the parts that are strong and making use of those numbers to show to people. Um, and also, especially for our products, because they are pretty technical, it's not just like you plug in a mouse and it works. It's, um, there's a lot of stuff. There's hardware configurations, software configurations, and um, often you need to troubleshoot some problems because that's just how technology is. So uh, maybe you are very good with technology. Maybe you are very knowledgeable about how stuff works. Um, if people ask you for advice about stuff like that as well, um, if you're often finding yourself giving people recommendations on what to buy or what to use, then that's also a good point because for us, especially when it's so technical, we want to work with people that we feel um, we can really trust to promote and um, explain our products. Because if you kind of fall into this category of explaining something, you'll also end up being the person that, that, that they come to when you have problems. So if you tell someone to buy this and then they have a problem with it, they'll ask you why it doesn't work. So we want to make sure that people actually can respond to that, ideally. That's awesome. That's really good news for 
I know a lot of people in my community for sure are like very tech oriented. They love new gear. They love, they do love like Elgato for sure, but we're always talking like cameras and equipment and setups and lighting and just everything that goes into that. So for those people that might be a little bit smaller, but are very tech oriented, they're going to be very happy to hear that. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about, you said that a creator should be able to identify their strengths and be able to communicate that to the company that they reach out to. So as a creator, like how do we identify our strengths and how do we communicate them? Um, I think it just goes back to an earlier point where it's just taking a look at some of your kind of backend numbers, filtering through them, having a look at the kind of people that reply to your tweets or your posts, the kind of people that are in your Discord communities, um, and just getting a general idea of who it is that enjoys your content. And then you can make something out of that. If it, um, It's really just about knowing your audience and what they're interested in. That's, um, that's probably one of the biggest strengths. And that's something you really just have to learn and kind of re- research yourself. Someone else can't really tell you what your audience is. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely work that you have to do on your own, but there's so many great resources to be able to use that will help you figure that out. Like you can go to analytics.twitter.com and that is an extremely powerful resource that will show you your Twitter analytics. It'll actually break down like demographics, male and female, their age groups, which is pretty much basic information that you want to see on every platform, but it also goes into their interests. And so if you have a lot of men or a lot of women say that are, you know, 24 to 35 that are following you that are interested in tech, then you know to talk about tech in a way that women in that demographic would be interested in. And that's going to make your tweets more powerful. And uh, that's definitely an area that I feel like a lot of people have a lot of opportunity, but Twitch also does that for us as well. Like we've got our dashboard, we've got our statistics, um, and we can definitely find out more about our audience through Twitch and through all of these different social platforms. There's a bunch of other analytics sites as well, things like mm-hmm. Social Blade, like Twinge, like NoScope. Um, yeah. These, some of them are free, some of them are paid, but they all give really detailed breakdowns on, um, yeah, your statistical numbers, which are. Uh, shouldn't be taken like only as numbers but you should use them to kind of build something more out of it yeah definitely it shouldn't be you just look at the numbers or stream or create content because you're trying to grow those numbers right it's about like growing the relationships with your community and really showing people that you're somebody that they can trust. And I feel like that's whenever you create a really powerful relationship and a powerful community is whenever you can go to somebody like Elgato and you're like, hey, my people, you know, not only do I have them, but they also trust me because I don't work with companies that I don't believe in, that I haven't used myself and and all of that. So that's definitely, aside from the actual analytical knowledge, like just establishing that basis of trust with your community is super important for creators. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that actual like reaching out process though. Talk to us a little bit, like we, we kind of already talked about drafting that that first contact email. So if you want to um, 
be a little longer with it and include more of your statistical like number information, that's great. If you want to keep it short and get to the point, that's fine. But try not to fill it with a ton of fluff because you guys have a lot of emails, get contacted quite a bit, and it just gets a little bit annoying. But there's also the option to send out marketing decks. And so for people that don't know, those are basically like a slideshow. So it's a, it's a physical kind of piece of content that shows your numbers, why you're valuable, and why somebody would be interested in partnering with you. You can include things like your beliefs, um, demographics of your community, different types of content you've created, uh, different places or people you've collabed with. Um, and it's a really easy way for, and beautiful way to be honest, because it's very visual, but it's a really great way for companies to be able to kind of get a better sense for your content. Do you recommend people create marketing decks? Um, or is that kind of going really, overboard? Because no, I know no. a lot of people love them. Some but... people do. Um, I usually get them when it's more about teams as a whole rather than individuals. But I have also got some for individuals before. And I think the biggest thing about marketing decks is that you should really make them specific for who you're talking to. Because I always find it when people send me a deck, you have like five or six slides at the beginning, and it's like, what is esports? Do you know how big Twitch and YouTube is? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, dude, this is my job. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I know what Twitch and YouTube is. Um, yeah, do you know esports generates X billion dollars per year? You can be a part of it too. Like, yeah, <laughs> okay, I, I know about this. It's okay. You don't need to tell me. And um, so, it's always like, okay, this is just a generic thing that they're sending to everyone. Um, I'd rather that if you're sending it to a company that's in esports, that's in content creator, content creation, then you just skip that part, just remove it from the deck because it doesn't add anything. It just um, just takes time to get through it to where you actually want to see something interesting. And if you are kind of overloading people with these kind of numbers of like how many people watch Twitch every day or whatever, then it's often feels a little bit like you're trying to disguise your own numbers, that you're trying to kind of hide something is what I feel like. Um, it's like that you're trying to inflate what you're doing by showing like the potential of like the entire world's content, you know? So I would rather that it just focused on you and presented your kind of content and who you are better without all of like the background information that just isn't needed, you know? So I think as long as you stick to that and make something good, then you can definitely include a marketing deck because yeah, they're an amazing way to present um, who you are and if they look good and they've got like properly labeled graphs or uh, graphs or links to sources of like numbers or whatever then yeah it can be definitely very helpful awesome yeah it seems like through everything you're saying being concise is extremely important yeah yes for sure cool 
okay, so let's say we've crafted our email, we've sent it off, uh, we're very concise, we made a marketing deck, and you receive it and you're just like, oh man, yeah, this person is awesome, would love to work with them. So what do those follow-up emails after that look like? Like, How important is it for you and the creator to continue to build a relationship? Um, I think something first before we get to the kind of follow-up part is just like once I receive the email, what kind of things I'm like looking for, I guess. And um, one of the things that I really wanted to, to talk about is that um, we would be lying if we said that numbers weren't important, but they're definitely not everything. Mm -hmm. And I think that one thing that a lot of people forget is that just because you write an email doesn't mean that everything else that you said publicly on the internet is not available to see. Um, because if it is something that we're to, like thinking about seriously, then I will spend time going into people's Twitter, but also their replies to other people, um, mm -hmm. their Discord and their stream. And quite a lot of times I've gone into people's replies and they've been having like arguments with other creators or they've been like a bit abusive to others and they kind of just assume that because it's like in the replies or it's not like a direct tweet that other people won't see it and all of these things people do see and they are publicly available it's not like i'm trying to like hacking my way into twitter or something to find like proof that you've been like a nasty person or something it's just looking at your replies it's nothing difficult um, because it is, in the end, like a representation from both ends. You are representing us as much as we are representing you. Um, so that's just something that I think is definitely important that people remember part yeah. of the whole online public image. That's great. And you mentioned a, a couple of tools for that earlier, which yeah. you can use Twinge, you can use social blade like you can't lie about your numbers in these emails because people will find out they will and then they'll they won't trust you and they might never work with you again so it's mm -hmm. definitely important that even if you know you're not super confident in your numbers that you are honest yeah yeah and then okay and then back to your previous question about like um how it works off like afterwards right like the mm -hmm. follow-up email, I guess. Um, it does happen quite often that I have to say no to people. I mean, I get a lot of requests and it's just not possible to work with everyone. Um, some people do make good content, but it's just not possible to work with everyone. Um, I think the thing to the people, you should still be kind of polite and appreciative of um, like the effort. I, I mean, you probably don't know of like the effort that goes behind checking people, but it definitely does happen. Um, and keep a positive attitude as well. Show that you're willing to keep improving, to keep growing, that like just because you've been like rejected this one time, doesn't mean that that's like the end of your content creation career, or even that it's the end of like the communication with us in the future, you know? 
Um, one thing you definitely shouldn't do is go to social media and talk about how X company is a piece of shit because they didn't sponsor you. Because that also happens as well. And that's something that although <laughs> we might not reply to, you know, it's um, something that we will remember. And it doesn't matter how big you'll get in the future. If we remember that, then it's, um, it's something that, yeah, just won't happen again. Yeah. Why do you think why do you think people do that? Um, I think it comes back to an earlier point of feeling that they are a bit entitled, that they think that they deserve something. And sometimes it's just not possible to work with them, you know? So it's like sometimes you can be a great content creator and it's just a bit unlucky that this time we can't work with you. Maybe we don't have if it's towards the end of the financial year, we don't have budget left for more financial partnerships. Maybe we've already just um, agreed to work with four or five um, product partners in the same community or area that you're in, and we don't think we need another one right now. You know, it's um, it can be a number of things, but um, but then like, if you have this kind of attitude afterwards, then it's kind of confirmation for us that okay, maybe it was the right decision that this time we didn't like work with them you know yeah absolutely so you mentioned maybe it's just not the right time when do you suggest people to reach back out and how should they do that um i'd say a minimum of like three months at least and then you can just come back again saying and or just showing like how you've improved how you've grown what have you developed Um, within your community or yourself have you worked with other companies and done something really successful with them it's um yeah it's just part of showing like having a positive approach and understanding that sometimes things don't happen and you can always try again in the future because the rejection emails will never say we don't ever want to work with you they are just saying that at this time it's not possible that's awesome Yeah, that's that's really great information for a lot of people. I think that's going to be really reassuring. So do you have Mm -hmm. any other points that you really want to make sure that people understand about this process? Um, I guess something to remember if you do end up getting partnered, how that kind of relationship works in the future, like how you can keep building on that. Right. Mm For me, I think the most important thing is that if you agree to do something with someone, then you actually follow up and do it. Because if you've actually got through the kind of process of agreeing to do um, something for someone, whether that's like a review video or an Instagram story or an unboxing stream or something, that you actually do it and then you show it to that person as well. Because although I'll try and spend time catching up with partners, I'm not going to sit through like a six hour Twitch stream just to see if you unbox something that I sent you or whatever. It would be really good if people actually sent back like a highlight or a clip or a timestamp that I can then see, okay, they actually did it because um, I just simply don't have time to follow up on everyone and wait for them to do it. So it needs to be a bit proactive on the, the partner's end to show that they actually carried out what they did because if I just think maybe you've got something for free and now you're ignoring me kind of done, then it's, you know, it's not like a very nice feeling that it's, you know, so, um, and I think part of that is also if you have an excuse of why you haven't done something yet, 
maybe you were really sick or you're traveling to an event or maybe your PC's dead or something, then that's also fine. But then like, let me know. But then also don't keep dragging it out like weeks and weeks at a time because in the end, like, you know, it's like a teacher at school where you haven't done your homework. Every single excuse that you that you're telling me has already been heard. And at some point it's just going to lose interest and that'll kind of like probably sour the relationship uh, forever, you know? So I think then if you have done everything and it's going well, you did what you agreed, then just continuing on, you should just be um, just genuine and friendly with the person and try and build up an actual relationship with them. Treat them the same as you would another content creator or a viewer or just uh, anyone else that you're friends with, you know? Um, you don't always have to message someone just because you want something or just because you have a problem. It's also fine if you write to someone and say, oh, I'm really happy you sent this to me because it's really improved everything. It's, um, you know, it's about, um, yeah, just about building up a positive relationship and enjoying being like in a partnership with, with someone. Um, yeah, because I mean, like at the end of the day, although some people just see it as like Elgato as a company or some other company, whatever, um, we are real people that work here with like our own goals and ambitions and our interests. And, you know, it's nice when people actually talk to you as a person and make an effort to kind of, um, you know, be friendly towards you as well. It's not like that I'm just sitting here with like a button in front of me, like the press to send a new product to you every time someone asks. It's um, something that you need to consider that it's that it's real people, the same as um, the same as you are at the other end, and some yeah, compassion and kindness can go can go a long way. Absolutely, I love that, and I think that definitely humanizes the process a bit more. A lot of people feel intimidated about reaching out to sponsors because they just think it's all about the numbers. But to hear that it, it's human people making human decisions is very reassuring for a lot of people. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate your time and you giving everybody all of this information. This has been just absolutely amazing. Yeah, I hope it is useful for people. Um, if you have other questions, feel free to write to me on Twitter or email or whatever. Perfect. What's your actual Twitter that people can reach out to in your email, if you don't mind sharing those? Um, my Twitter is mex3m underscore. I know it's a little bit um, confusing. It's, a really it's like an Xbox name. gamer tag from 2005. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit older than that, but yes. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And what's your email? Uh... Unless you don't, you don't have to, yeah, you don't have to give that out right now. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Sure. All right, streamers. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Tom. Thank you so much, Tom, for coming on. I really appreciate you just having this passion of helping creators, right? And that's very evident in the way that you answer questions and just the general fact that you will work with people regardless of things like numbers or having extreme amounts of notoriety. Like you genuinely care and El that shows that Elgato genuinely cares about the creator community as well. So I think that's really awesome. And thank you for coming on and spending your time with me. Now, if you guys enjoyed this podcast, there are a ton of other ways 
ways that you can learn more about this stuff, and one of those ways is through our Patreon. So the Patreon is really, it's still kind of being built. Um, there are a lot of new features that are coming, but it is the number one place that you can go if you really want to like join a community of creators that are linking arms and joining together and just helping each other get better at creating. And I love, love, love my patrons. Like They are the most supportive, amazing people. There are going to be a lot of cool things coming. Like right now, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, there is a, a monthly list of like articles that people need to be aware of with information that's super relevant for the content creation space. There is, we're about to do actually this coming up week, a live Q&A with all of our patrons. So that's going to be really exciting, as well as I'm going to be doing interviews for patrons only on our patron only podcast so keep an eye out for that and thank you guys so much for listening i can't believe like honestly that you spend your time with me it is it is so important to me like time is is such a finite resource and i truly believe that the way that you spend your time can be helpful towards building your dream life or it can really harm you being able to build that dream life and so if i'm a small part of your journey to help you build that dream life i am so grateful so thank you for taking the time to hang out with me today and i will see you guys in the next episode of the stream coach podcast next friday bye Thanks for listening to the Stream Coach Podcast. See you next week.